This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. mpbonline.org. MPB Think Radio. From MPB Think Radio, this is Relatively Speaking, the show all about you and your family. I'm Kevin Farrell with Dr. Greg Gordon, a board-certified internist and psychiatrist. We hear stories or see them on TV about the old lady down the street with a basement full of soda cans or a room stacked with newspapers. But what when it affects someone we love? If you have a question about hoarding, you can call us today at 1-877-MPB-RING. We'll answer your questions and we want you to answer ours too. And today it's, has anyone ever accused you of being a pack rat? Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. You're listening to Relatively Speaking from MPB Think Radio, all things Mississippi. This is an MPB Think Radio Radio podcast. mpbonline.org. MPB Think Radio. And welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell with Dr. Greg Gordon, a board-certified internist and psychiatrist. We're going to be talking about hoarding today and asking you our question of the day. Has anyone ever accused you of being a pack rat? There are always lines open at the beginning of the program, so if you would like to uh, join in the show today, go ahead and call us now at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464, or send an email to family at mpbonline.org. The sooner that you can uh, dial in, the more chance we'll have to get to your phone call uh, today as we talk about hoarding. Uh, Good morning, uh, Dr. Gordon. How are you doing today? Oh, good morning. Been a very busy morning already. Uh, went into round and check on my patients this morning and uh, uh, back here have a very busy day ahead of me today but awesome mood and a very positive mood and um, this topic is a very interesting topic because there's a lot of current uh, debate going on within the psychiatric community we are not no one in the psychiatry psychiatric community is saying this is not a disorder what we're saying is look where does it fit in terms of um, how we diagnose a condition and what category it's under that's what we're kind of uh, looking at right now and uh, currently, the experts in the field are working on preparation for the next phase of our manual. We have a DSM. Uh, we're DS, currently DSM-4-TR, um, and there has been several revisions of this manual, which goes about in how we diagnose uh, patients with mental conditions. And coming up probably in the next uh, two years, we'll have the DSM-5, and I know that the um, uh, if you can look, if you actually look on the APA website, you'll actually see the comments about where the debate is. And, and again, there is no debate that this is a this is a genuine condition, uh, very sincere, and truly impacts a, um, a significant number of people. And the people who do have it struggle and suffer tremendously. It's just kind of where we think it uh, comes along. Right now, it's kind of um, a symptom or a subtype of obsessive-compulsive disorder. Sometimes people also see it as a variant of obsessive-compulsive personality disorder. We have OCD and OCPD. A lot of times people think the second one is just a lighter version of it, but they're very distinctly different in terms of the symptoms that the people have and the level of function um, and the level of impairment that they have. So it's a very interesting topic right now. It's a very cool thing to be looking at. I know right now there are several TV shows that talk about hoarding, intervention, uh, animal hoarding, and things like that. And so it's getting a lot of play out there in the general mainstream. And one of the things that I'd like to try to do is say, you know, those things that you're seeing on TV are probably extreme examples, uh, extreme examples, not probably most people who are hoarding are not necessarily to that extent where you're walking knee high on, um, you know, thrown out, uh, not thrown out cardboard boxes or stacks of magazines or things like that. But again, it just kind of shows to what extent it can be happening. We're going to be talking about hoarding this hour. If you have a question for us or a comment, if you've had some experience uh, with yourself or a relative uh, with the issue of hoarding and you'd like to share with us, we would always appreciate that. 877-MPB-RING is our phone number, which is 877-672-7464. A little bit more. I think this is interesting, though, about the way uh, the the order will be recognized by the psychiatric community. And as you mentioned, as we chatted briefly before we came on the air, it's not like 
pneumonia where you can take a you know an x-ray and and i guess a lot of other health issues it's more cut and dried but with mental health it's it's not and so is it sort of a consensus among the psychiatric community on on these things is that how it works well in in general yes you know, we do not have what we call a diagnostic test. We can't uh, do a blood test like we can do for sickle cell. We can't do uh, a test like uh, we can do for a pneumonia, where uh, a pneumonia is an X-ray-based finding. If the doctor listens to your chest and you've got cough and fever and you're coughing up sputum and you're short of breath and it hurts your side when you cough, and we listen to you, we can hear what we call uh, ronchi and rails and crackles and wheezes and consolidation and egophony. All of these terms that says, hey, there's something in there that ain't supposed to be in there. You know, we can diagnose a lower respiratory tract infection, but we're supposed to be, we're supposed to have a chest x-ray to diagnose pneumonia. The thing is, we treat them the same. Antibiotics, you know, take it easy, rest. You know, take your pills and please finish up your uh, treatment plan and don't come whining to me if you stop after four days and it comes back, okay? Um, but again, we treat them the same. And with mental illnesses, we're not at the point yet where we can make definitive diagnosis make, based upon functional MRI, spec scans, CAT scans, and things like that. Some of the things in our DSM we can, such as um, vascular dementia. A person has had a series of stroke and we can see brain atrophy, literally shrinking of the brain because of that. So what we have to do with a lot of our mental illnesses is by consensus or by expert opinion. And when we talk about expert opinion, they're not asking me. They're asking people with a more experience with me. The chairmen of our universities, uh, medical schools are being involved, directors of the National Institute of Mental Health, um, uh, uh, people within the research field and industry as well. You know, I'm, I'm a doc. You know, I, I'm just, you know, I'm a, just a straightforward everyday doc. I, I don't consider myself a specialist. I do general internal medicine. I do general psychiatry and general consults, and I can even do kids. Um, but I'm not a specialist. So they're not going to come and say, Dr. G, what do you think about this? But it is. It's by a collection of, of experts well-recognized within the field who kind of get together, and they say, here's the condition. Here are the symptoms. This is the, the proposed diagnosis. Does it make sense? And I guess just like the condition of pneumonia in, in, before uh, the use of x-rays and the discovery of uh, radiation, uh, Marie Curie, you know, um, they, said, they said, hey, you had an infection, you know. Now we're just a little bit more specific. And our hope is down the road we will have these um, keys that we can do, maybe uh, functional studies of the brain, perhaps blood tests, although I don't think so, genetic uh, testing and things like that. We're actively working on that. Researchers in psychiatry are actively working on the brain to see what type of keys we can find that make these diagnoses come together. And so real quickly before we go to the phones here, when it's, where it is in the DSM is important, I guess, because that is a guide for doctors to use to go ahead and how to treat these disorders. Is that correct? It is. The, the DSM is the basis of our diagnosis, but from them come guidelines and often consensus guidelines in, in terms of the way we treat. The one thing about our psychiatric illness is a lot of time if you have a pneumonia, if I can tell whether you're from the community, a community-acquired pneumonia, or you're in the hospital, what we call nosocomial-acquired pneumonia, I have to treat them differently. Okay, But a lot of times with our mental illnesses, we don't have uh, the subtyping done yet. We're still really in the phase where we're looking and learning uh, a lot about the illnesses. And so uh, we have uh, practice guidelines because one person who has a condition might respond to a medication. Another one might respond to therapy. Another one might respond to a combination of therapies. You know, one out of four don't get treated anyways and just sort of naturally uh, get better or worse on their own. Um, but from this, the DSM is really our basis of treating our patients. It, it's sort of the, the first building block for the ongoing uh, treatment. And the other part, too, is that this way, if there's a doctor in California, uh, I should be able to talk to that doctor about a patient. And we should be able to arrive on the same basic diagnosis. Uh, somebody over there shouldn't say bipolar while I'm saying uh, hoarding or personality disorder. We're going to be talking about hoarding throughout the hour today. If you have a comment or question and would like to join the conversation, our number is 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Linda from Memphis has called in. Linda, if you would, before your comment, take our stab at the question of the day. Has anyone ever accused you of being a pack rat? Yes. All right. Well, and yeah, and I, and I, don't, dis- I don't disagree with them, but... I think what I'm really thinking is that, you know, this 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 phenomenon of hoarding. I think that it, it's come about. A lot of it is because 
many people live by themselves. I'm a working person, mm-hmm. and, uh, and a lot of times I am just too tired to get rid of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think that, you know, in, the, in these latter years, you know, being able to acquire more goods, and I think that that has been... Um, it probably has to do with, with the acquiring more and more and more, and then just letting that stuff smother us and not being able to get rid of, not being able to get rid of it. So it's kind of, you know, it's just kind of like um, ex, uh, the disease of excess. You know, mm-hmm. I want, I want, I want, and now it's to the point where I'm 56 years old. I'm a registered nurse. I work every day. But sometimes I'm just too tired. I don't have any support system at home mm-hmm. uh, as far as anybody living with me. So I'm, I'm just a, a runaway teenager, 56-year-old. <laughs> and, and it's just, you know, what I'm saying it, it, it's, it's not funny. But You're right. I have to have people to come in and help me to get rid of things because it, that stuff will literally smother you if you don't. Well, you know, Linda, I think, brings up a good point. When Linda also points out to all of our listeners who are ever thinking about it, you know, uh, becoming a nurse does provide a very stable source of income, and, uh, you know, that's a very positive thing as well. You know, with hoarding, what we're seeing is just excessive purposeful collecting of things or the purposeful inability to let things go or throw away. You know, that's different. Linda is talking about kind of a materialism-based lifestyle, which it's easy to fall into. We've talked about before, if you're worried about keeping up with the Joneses or you're collecting things. And Linda also gets to a point, too, where sometimes where I think people who sometimes have a loneliness or emptiness in their lives many times will kind of put those energies into buying uh, material things. In the actual process of going out and shopping, it's nice because the salesperson is nice to you. They pay attention to you. You feel a little bit of a rush buying a nice item for yourself. But then afterwards, that feeling is gone uh, soon after you return home and, and you look at it. Now, now, Linda, do you find that, you know, you've collected so many things or you've been unable to throw away so many things uh, that it interferes with your personal life, like relationships? Are you embarrassed to have people come over to your home? or uh-huh. that, that Sometimes I have to entertain at the door. You know, you can't come in. You know, I mean, you know, it may be a little extreme, but sometimes I actually feel that way. Or if someone, if, if I do have to entertain, it's just a, a flurry of, of cleaning up, getting things just a, a facade of a, you know, front room looking good, and then just stuff packed in the back or the garage and, and such. So yeah, I, I think it does it. And you know what? It it, it really it really makes a person a bit depressed mm-hmm. to see all of their, you know, to see all of the, their goods that they've spent time acquiring uh, in heaps and mounds on the floor, oh. or or not being able to hang it up, or not being able to care for it. So, so, so I guess what I can say, what I can take away from all of this is, um, uh, you know, learned contentment. You know, I've had to learn to be content with what I have because those goods and things, they can, they can sure smother you. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, yeah. Linda, uh, as you're getting ready to go out and purchase some of these things, do you feel any thoughts that come into your head such as, I want to buy something, I must buy something, uh, I'm feeling lonely, I want to buy something? What type of process goes through as you're heading out, whether it's to a yard sale or to uh, Macy's in terms of picking well, up something? Well, well, sometimes it's a, a matter of, well, I work hard all week and I've done this, so I'm going to reward myself and uh, I'm going to I'm going to do this. But I don't so much have those things now. I I, I think I'm more on the on the on the on the rec- on the downside of it now. Mm-hmm. I, I I never want uh, to to acquire. Uh, um, I never want to have those things smothering me. I don't want those. I don't want things to have a toehold on me, mm-hmm. and so. I guess, Doctor Gordon, I'm not trying to dodge the question. I guess in the past, when I, I when I when I was acquiring, it was the adrenaline rush of scoring. Well, you know, this is its own sale. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get this mm-hmm. on sale, and this will be great. It doesn't matter that I can't wear it. I'll give it to someone else. You mm-hmm. know, those those type of things. So I think it was more the uh, the acquisition of mm-hmm. things. Yeah, I think you're right, and, and that also kind of gets into a kind of a compulsive shopper as well. Linda, you know, touched on a lot of different things, you know, as our first caller, and thank you for, for taking the courage to go ahead and call and give us your story as well. She touched on the issues of, of shopping, the emotional in, uh, impact that people can struggle through when they see their items thrown about, and that even, you know, if or way, if she didn't get help or medication, she hit on a key thing, which is she began to change her thinking. I didn't want to feel like these things were controlling me. I didn't want to think that, that I was doing these things for the for that. And that's one of the first things that we do with um, 
uh, with hoarding. And again, I want to begin by saying I am not a hoarding specialist. Uh, I am not a, like, as I say, as a general psychiatrist, occasionally I deal with things similar to this. And a lot of ways that we approach this is by cognitive behavioral treatment, cognitive thinking. So we're working on changing the thinking, working on changing the behavior for our outcome. And I appreciate Linda calling today. All right. I do appreciate it as well. I think on this program, people share their life experiences with us, and sometimes it's difficult. But I think it's always appreciated because I think we can better understand things when we can relate to them in human experiences. If you have a question for us or if you have some experiences that you'd like to share, the number is 877-MPB-RING, which is 877-672-7464. We'll be back with more after this. MPB Think Radio podcast. MPBonline.org. MPB Think Radio. And welcome back. You're listening to Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell with Dr. Greg Gordon. And today we're discussing hoarding. And we're asking you our question of the day. Has anyone ever accused you of being a pack rat? If you have some thoughts for us, a question or comment, or some life experiences that you'd be willing to share, call us at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Our email address is family at mpbonline.org. Um, actually, I believe we have a caller ready to go. So why don't we return to the phone lines? Uh, Gary has called in from Ayuka. Gary, you've got a question for us, but first, if you would, answer ours. Has anyone ever accused you of being a pack rat? Uh, yes. What, uh, do you, what do you think? Do you think it's an accurate assessment? Uh, to some degree, yeah. And, and that's why I, I think there may be a genetic aspect to it. For one, because uh, my grandmother uh, was definitely accused of being a pack rat. And something else, too, I feel like there may be, a, and I believe this is the correct word, uh, an anthropomorphism involved where you kind of assign almost a, it's a little bit more than a sentimentality about objects. It's almost like you, you hate to throw things away because you feel like they're almost living entities. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you, you, had this, you develop a compassion toward all your objects, and it, they become a little bit more than just uh, uh, material things. I was wondering if there might, you know, if there's any, been any discussion on that. Oh, absolutely, Gary. That's a super question. I'm glad you asked that question is, uh, can this be genetic? And the answer is yes. You know, the extent of how much of this is genetic, you know, clearly if you have a family member, a first degree family member or somebody close family member who also uh, is a hoarder, um, that there clearly is an increased risk of another person in the family hoarding as well. The one question that we're trying to see about is, is there something else to it? Is there an environmental? Because I saw grandma hoarding these things, uh, did that influence how I think about things? Like you mentioned, I can't even say the word, but, you know, where you're you're attributing living uh, qualities to an unliving object, you know, rather than saying that's uh, a bright red uh, shirt. Uh, Kevin's wearing, you know, to say that is a glowing, warm, welcoming, wonderful shirt he's wearing right now, if anybody's looking on online. But where we've taken something from the object and made it seem more lifelike and attributed almost human uh, characteristics and qualities to there. So right now, that that, Gary, that's a great topic going on right now is how much of it is nature, how much of it is nurture, how much of it is environment. The other part, too, is I think that something comes into this is temperament. Temperament is what you're born with, your ability to uh, be a calm baby, a easy baby, a hard baby, but um, our temperament on how we take things in life. And that may be a contributor as why for some people it's extremely hard to let go of items which have no sentimental value or no real value. You know, the Sunday newspaper is still sitting on my um, dining room table from where I was looking at it, but it'll probably be gone by Tuesday, which is garbage day. You know, or perhaps if my wife reminds me, I'll put it into the recycling box and, in you know, about every two weeks it'll go down to the recycling uh, there too. So that's not necessarily excessive hoarding, just, you know, as our earlier caller said, maybe not enough time to put out. 
Gary, you know, in terms of your grandmother, you mentioned uh, things that she had collected. How about yourself? You had said that you had been accused of being a pack rat. Uh, yeah, everything from, uh, uh, you know, like styrofoam inserts to things. Uh, you know, sometimes I feel like it's, well, I'll find a use for it, you mm-hmm. know. Um, uh, or there's just something, you know, it is hard to describe why I, I don't want to throw some things away, and, it, and it's difficult. It's not to the point where it's, you know, it's not like, you know, used tissue or, you know, things like that, which I know you can't get, you know, or even newspapers. Mm-hmm. But a lot of magazines, I have a lot of trouble. It's almost like there's there's this value put to it, and, and I'm destroying you know, the work somebody put into it, you know, it's like I'm devaluing someone else's contribution, I guess, mm-hmm. when I throw it away, you know, somebody else puts their, you know, their attention to it, and, and now I'm I'm devaluing them by throwing it away. I, I don't know, there's just too much sentimentality involved, um, maybe a little too, too much emotion. Um, you know, Gary, Gary brings up a very common um, thought pattern for people who do uh, hoard versus collect, which is to say, you know, I think somebody could use this. You know, I I can't use it right now, but perhaps somebody would be able to. So we're we're keeping the utility use of something, utilitarian use of something, uh, there just in case. And certainly, people who were children of the depression uh, had that same sort of. Well, we're going to save this. We might be able to use that going on. But then, <clears throat> after a certain point, you know, if you don't have any more kids uh, left to give, um, you know, the baby the baby jumper, it's time to let that go or to to go ahead and donate it out there too. But Gary has uh, identified. Two very important things. One is that holding on for a potential usefulness, somebody can use it later on. And the fact that he's assigned these humanistic characteristics to an uh, unliving object like a book. Well, gosh, somebody made a lot of effort putting that book together. And I, I think about, Gary, when I think about my, meds, my, my medical books, you know, uh, generally speaking, I update my, my library every other edition uh, for psychiatry and for two major um, internal medicine textbooks. But now what I'm starting to do is I'm going to the Internet. You know, but I hear what he's saying. It's like, oh, I can always look that up. You know, I'll keep one at home and one at the office. But the truth is, once the once it's time for a new one, the one at home gets thrown out. Often, I, I should recycle for sure, but you know, gets tossed out often. So he's pointed out two very important ideas, which people who who overcollect or can't let go often, that's the type of thinking that with a cognitive behavioral therapy we begin to confront, address to see how did this thinking pattern become, and then we introduce a new pattern of thinking, which helps to extinguish the old pattern of thinking. But Gary, thank you. That was, that was a wonderful way of how you put it. I know it was hard to put in word, but you did a great job. Thank you. All right, Gary, we appreciate your call. This is Relatively Speaking, where we're talking about hoarding, looking for your comments and questions and life experiences. Call us at 877-MPB-RING, 877-672-7464. Let's uh, continue on the phone lines. A call from Collierville, Tennessee. Jim's on the line. Jim, apparently your aunt might be the one that's been accused of being a pack rat. Go ahead for us. (laughs) Well, occasionally my wife will ask me, uh, why are you keeping that? But uh, that's... (laughs) You know that's normal. Uh, no, but I uh, I knew my aunt had uh, so much stuff in her in her house, especially in the last couple of years, that there was hardly ever any room for company to visit. Mm. Now she was uh, she was a single person all her life. She worked all her life, and um, one of the things that's peculiar, I noticed that every letter she ever received, I think we still have mm-hmm. most of them anyway mm-hmm. in her house. I mean, there are bags and boxes and just every container she could find. And on every single letter, there's a date that she received it. Mm-hmm. I think that may have come from her job uh, as kind of an office administrator or, uh, you know, for, for people. Mm-hmm. And yet, um, I question why you would even put the date on there. Obviously, you received it. It's there. Mm-hmm. And it probably received close to the time it was mailed. But she never, ever got around to putting anything else about, well, I need to do something about this one by such and such date. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But that uh, she also lived near uh, um, a large, uh, well, like Big Lots, I guess is the name of the store. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we would go to visit her and find the hallway just stacked with stuff she was buying yeah. that she didn't need. And, of course, being alone and um, and and just not having anybody else around, but I, I don't, I don't want to talk forever, but uh, t- oh, 20, over 25 years ago, I helped move her back from southeast Washington State to uh, Jonesboro. And I had one whole rental truck full of magazines. Wow. That were still, and they're still in the garage. Yeah. 
you know, she never could put a car in the, in the garage where she moved. Yeah. But uh, I, I guess loneliness was part of it. I think so, too. Jim Jim does bring out, and I'm, I'm glad our callers are calling in here because they're also pointing out some of the things which are important characteristics of um, of hoarding. In that often, whether it's because of a loneliness or because of the social embarrassment or the stigma or the discomfort that they have about people coming over, many times there is an isolation. Families get overwhelmed, families get tired, or we begin to normalize it and we say, oh, that's just our eccentric old aunt, Millie. Uh, she's yeah. just like that. And so we don't ever reach out and confront them. And then you know, Jim is dragging, you know, a uh, a truck full of old magazines uh, across you know across the country uh, for her you know um, but there is often a time of an isolation loneliness that is occurring sometimes there is a triggering component such as depression loss of a loved one some type of traumatic event but we don't see that routinely we do not we, we can't routinely trace it back to some type of tragic event where a husband died and the widow becomes a hoarder of cats or we can't collect it by you know oh they were they were assaulted when they were a teenager things like that many times you know we see that it begins probably in adolescence or early adulthood and that's why many times we're hearing the story of people being single you know we're hearing we're hearing that story time and time again and whether or not it might be some of the social skills lacking or whether trading social skills time because it does take a lot of time to go out and buy these things, to work to buy these things, uh, to um, uh, organize these things or not organizing things. And so that important social time is lost as well. So that's another important thing. And I appreciate Jim kind of calling and sharing the story of his aunt because it does tell about that issue of that isolation. Thanks for the call, Jim. This is Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio, all things Mississippi. We're talking today about hoarding, looking for your questions and comments. Call us at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Before we go to break and then uh, hit some more phone calls after the break, the interesting thing to me, though, is uh, a lot of these folks that we've talked to so far talking about storing, keeping items of value, whereas, you know, some of the times we hear stories of old newspapers or soda cans or things like that that don't appear to have any real value. And um, is there anything involved there in terms of, or do or do the hoarders think that they place some sort of value in, in the items that they're collecting? It works both ways. There's, there are some things that uh, that a, a person who is hoarding things know that it has no, no value. Uh, it has no uh, value for anybody else or utility for somebody else as well. And there are other people's, well, what it gets down to is that hoarding uh, encompasses a broad spectrum of people, of behaviors, of ways of thinking, because you might find somebody who is uh, who people might think is hoarding may be a wonderfully astute collector of esoteric things that n- not a lot of people know about, but uh, hidden hidden in there may be a million dollar. Um, abstract painting or something like that Mm -hmm. we're on relatively speaking we'll go ahead and take our break uh coming up here but we have some callers on the line we'll get to your calls in just a moment if you'd like to join the conversation phone lines are open at 877 mpb ring which is 877-672-7464 we'll be back with more after this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPBonline.org. MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell with Dr. Greg Gordon. 
Uh, today we're talking about hoarding, and our question of the day asks, has anyone ever accused you of being a pack rat? If you have some comments, questions, life ex- share, uh, experiences that you'd be willing to share, call us at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. We'll head back to the phone lines. A call from Ocean Springs. Katie has called in. Uh, Katie, based on your profession, I would guess that you've never been accused of being a pack rat. Is that true? Oh, no. There are two types in all these worlds, and there's those of us who have overcome things. Mm-hmm. But no, I'm not a pack rat. Uh, but you are a professional organizer. Tell us a little bit about that, and maybe you could offer some help for some folks. Well, uh, there are over 5,000 professional organizers in the United States spread throughout the country. Some, not myself, but some specialize in working with hoarders. Mm-hmm. And the reason I called today was to really, I get calls and questions from people in my workshop who, about friends and family. There's a big embarrassment factor in oh, yes. this particular disorder. And so one of the problems is, is when do you know it's really a serious enough problem to go to either authorities and or the medical community. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I wanted to refer people to and to make sure got mentioned is the National Study Group on Chronic Disorganization. Uh, NSGCD.org is a source for training for those of us in the professional organizing business for this, but it also has a very good scale that describes the levels, five levels of chronic disorganization, which is really sometimes hoarding and sometimes not. Mm -hmm. And by the time you get to that fifth level on the scale, when you are dealing with a situation where there are maybe animal species involved and some really health issues, uh, it does help relatives to kind of see how serious is this problem. Can you go ahead and give that uh, website again? It's nsgcd.org. Okay. The National Study Group on Chronic Disorganization. You know, that's, um, and, I, and I'm glad you called, Katie, for that, because, again, you know, hoarding does come on a scale. The way I kind of think of it is mild to severe, but and I like that uh, five different levels uh, to that, because, you know, when we start to see things such as unsanitary conditions, such as animal feces or uh, clutter, where it actually poses a risk to the person living there or people visiting there, is certainly one of those extreme situations. And, again, too, that, that family discomfort, uh, as a shrink, I don't like to use embarrassing. I like to use something else. But, you know, that family discomfort there that leads people to stay away, to avoid. You know, uh, if, you're, if your home has become such a condition that family are avoiding you, um, things yeah. that where impacts your work. Uh, I kind of when I ask people, people always ask, when should I go get help? I guess when it feels like it's significantly impacting your life relationships, your ability to work, your basic um, uh, activities of daily living, such as hygiene and the safety, is it a fire risk? Uh, these are things that I, I would uh, ask people to kind of think about. And uh, hopefully if people take a look at that website, if they're uh, thinking about, if, if you will, taking a test on where they're at, that might be helpful for people to say, wow, it's, it's worse than I thought. But many times the people themselves do have a sense when it's gotten out of hand, you know, and I, I think it's more of that discomfort about asking, or as Katie says, embarrassing uh, embarrassment that people can have about asking for help or family for asking for help too and i'm glad you gave us that resource uh katie before we let you go uh, on some of the, the the less severe cases where you're going out trying to help people become organized uh is it is it their inability to or do they find that they get a clutter and then sort of find themselves overwhelmed how do you go about trying to help someone like that well it really does vary from situation to situation as the doctor said Sometimes it is an awareness thing saying, I know I need help, and they want somebody to come in and help to assess and determine it. But, of course, one of the things that you find along the way is there are habits and there are belief systems that are very long Mm -hmm. entrenched. So part of our work as organizers is to identify what areas that can be made a difference, that you can make a difference in. Um, sometimes it's a matter of degree. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a situation where they have a vision of themselves that doesn't necessarily match up with what their environment is about. And so a lot of what we do is work with them to identify ways to get those back in sync. Awesome. 
Awesome. Well, that, that you know, Katie is talking about really a kind of a cognitive behavioral form of therapy, and perhaps she's not going it into in depth, but like she said, there's belief systems and places and patterns of behavior, and those are the things that that um, she obviously um, not not as a professional um, therapist, but having skills in in that area can be very helpful because that's actually what what we do. Yeah, that's kind of right. what we and do in therapy. One thing I want to mention is that as professional organizers, we are taught, and one of the things we recognize is the boundaries between what we do and what therapy does. And indeed, people who work and specialize with hoarders always work in conjunction with some type of, of uh, therapist or other health counselor because somebody needs to be working with the person on the therapy portion of it because usually there is something else involved you know mm-hmm. either a major trauma or just a, sometimes it's even i've had a couple of situations where the person has needed to be on medication mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's been important for them to be able to then deal with the retraining or the the decision making that is involved in getting the situation under control all right, uh, Katie, thanks for calling in. A, a fascinating uh, bit of information there from Katie. And again, to repeat the website that she mentioned, it's the National Study Group for Chronic Disorganization. So it's nsgcd.org. And she says that there you could find some uh, degrees, maybe if you're concerned about a friend or family member and hoarding and, and, and collecting things, that this uh, kind of gives you an idea of, of how serious the problem might be and, and when to try to seek additional help in terms of therapy. Uh, why don't we continue on the phone lines and let's go to Gulfport. Rich has called in this morning. Uh, Rich, our question of the day, has anyone ever accused you of being a pack rat? Sounds like it's more your neighbor in your case. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, it's my neighbor. Uh, she got everything stuffed in her apartment, and her she has a camper shell pickup truck, everything stuffed full. She's about 72, mm. and she always thinks she's dying, So she's, but she's healthy as Knox, and she's got all these religious stuff all over the place her apartment and the animal feces too oh mm -hmm. and she's always says she's going to have a yard sale but she has about once a year and she makes ten dollars but everything's stuffed in her apartment and and, uh she used to own a bar in jackson she says you know Mm -hmm. but but her place is stuffed full of just all kinds of stuff and the religious stuff and she always thinks she's dying but she's healthy and so I, I, it's hard to deal with her. She gives me rides around town sometimes. She went to Gulfport Memorial Health Hospital, but they're mostly Freudians there, and she didn't like the Freudians. Oh. So I don't know really how to help her. Well, you know, Richard, it sounds like um, at, at this point it's starting to reach a, a, a concern for her physical health through, you know, the cat, uh, animal feces. Uh, that's certainly unsanitary. Place anybody in the apartment complex for having some problems from that, too. Um, things you're describing sound like it could represent a fire hazard as well. Sometimes one of the toughest things about getting somebody to get help that they're not sure they need it, you know, is going to a, a next level of resources such as, um, you know, talking to the uh, apartment manager or even talking to somebody uh, perhaps from uh, the county for um, uh, human resources to say, you know, perhaps she's uh, in need of um, additional assistance or a nursing home placement, something like that. But again, I'm not I'm not too familiar with. I know there's uh, two hospitals down uh, along the Gulf Coast areas who do have uh, geriatric psychiatry units uh, there. Um, one is Singing River, I think, and the other one I think is the one that you mentioned. So there are there are some options uh, in a drivable distance, anyways. Alternatively, the local mental health center down there may have a program to kind of help out. But it, it sounds like this lady is starting to get into a point where she's going to need more and more help as well. All right, Rich, uh, thanks for the call. Hopefully to give you some information. I think that's maybe a little bit more delicate of a situation if it's not a family member, if it is mm-hmm. a neighbor or a friend, uh, but maybe try to do what, what you can to do. Uh, and if you are dealing with a friend or, or a family member who you think has a hoarding problem, I guess there are some things maybe to do and not to do, ways that you could support them. Uh, and I think one of them would be maybe to respect the autonomy. Again, if it's someone else's house, uh, you would like to go in and help them, but you certainly wouldn't want to just maybe step in and, and start rearranging, taking things out, that sort of thing. What would be the, maybe a proper approach be for, for someone who's attempting to, to help out a friend or family member? 
Boy, you know, a, a very difficult situation because uh, if a person is not ready for change, uh, gra- you know, dragging them to therapy, kicking and screaming, um, kind of makes it a little bit tougher for for us to work with. Um, and again, you, first of all, you know, in, in this country, we have the rights of the individual which need to be protected and supported. People do have a right to live in a way that I would not want to live myself. People have a right to believe things that I don't agree with. You know, if they're uh, able to do things which are at least their basic health care needs. It's basically a safe dwelling, basically sanitary. Uh, there is little that people can do to force them into uh, counseling and, and treatment. Um, really, all of the all, every county in the state of Mississippi has access to a mental health system where if a person feels that another adult um, has the inability to care for themselves or represents a danger to themselves or a danger to others uh, because of a mental condition. They can actually seek to see about having a court commitment for evaluation and or evaluation and treatment. And that's done through the local community mental health centers and typically the chancery uh, clerks uh, in the county uh, there. So that's sort of a, a kind of uh, last um, most restrictive environment to do something like that. But again, this is a very delicate topic. I know when you see on TV, and I've watched a couple of those shows. Um, my wife always goes, you watch the most interesting stuff. Don't you get enough of that? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, um, you know, but it, it again, it's not an area um, that I do on a, on a very regular basis and certainly not to the extent of where people are hoarding. I would actually say I've had one patient in the last five years who has been that degree of hoarding or it's come to my attention. I may have had patients and it just never came up that this was happening in their home uh, there. But you, you, we really do not have a right to impose our will onto other people. And that's that balance that we have here in the United States. We're on Relatively Speaking. We're going to take our final break of the hour, but when we get get back, we'll be able to wrap up our discussion on hoarding. There's still a chance for you to call in with a comment, question, or your life experiences. 877-MPB-RING is our phone number. It's 877-672-7464. Back with more after this. an MPB Think Radio podcast. mpbonline.org. MPB Think Radio. And welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Greg Gordon, a board-certified internist and psychiatrist. Today we've been talking about hoarding, and uh, we're looking for your comments and questions. Call us at 877-MPB-RING. It's 877-672-7464. Our email address is family at mpbonline.org. Before the break, we were talking about maybe ways that if someone, if you know someone who has a problem like this, ways to approach them and possibly help them. And one of the things we we talked about was uh, uh, respecting autonomy but that thing is i uh, you know I, you, maybe some of the idea would be well i can get a u-haul and we'll go over there and we'll clean out all those newspapers whatever that sort of thing you know we can clean that house up in a day and a half or, or something along those lines that to me sounds like that would not be a good thing to do well i just don't think it'd be helpful or effective you know because unless the person is no, no longer there uh, such as after the person has passed away and then the uh, relatives are then have to go in and clean up the place that's sort of a different story you know uh, in that type of case scenario you might just be able to take a shovel and start heaving things out um when you see some of the tv shows they bring up a big dumpster uh and then you see the real the reality which happens is that for whatever reason, the people who hoard have a overwhelming, uh, unhealthy connection to relatively trivial things. So they will take you throwing away um, a piece of paper like I might take somebody saying, well, you can just get rid of your son. 
You know, mm-hmm. he, I assure you, don't come to my house and try to take my son. You will not like me. You know, do not try to hurt my family. You will not like me. I will not be the nice Dr. G. I will be a daddy, you know. Um, but they have an irrational attachment to this. And again, like one of our callers had talked about, even putting into that anthropomorphic, uh, uh, attributing human qualities to an inanimate object type of thing. So it will be as stressful for them or perhaps somebody coming over and saying um, a, a piece of paper versus take the cat. You know, I still like my cats. Uh, I'd let them go a lot quicker than my son, but I still like the cats. You know, I'm attached to them. Uh, so each and every object that is taken that way is a source of stress, trauma, and they, they grief. They grieve through those things. So, you know, getting somebody in, in there and, and watching them, having them watch you do it, it would be almost a form of torture to, to, to do this to their family, to their um it's just you need to prepare a person to do this, and often that takes time uh, to do that. Uh, alternatively, yeah, sure, once they've passed away, go ahead and wear it, you know, knock yourself out, you know, type of thing. But otherwise, you know, we, we look at the different therapies. Probably the most effective form, at least right now, that we have is cognitive behavioral therapy, a type of therapy where we address the thinkings, the thoughts, how did you begin to think about this, what do you attribute to it, and then the behaviors that go along with it. And we do that over time. Um, there are medications. For OCD, we used to use the tricyclics and clomipramine and afronil was an old, uh, older medication. The newer medications, the SSRIs, medications you've heard of like Prozac, Paxil, Zoloft, pretty much all of those medications have been helpful in OCD. But hoarding is different. We're not seeing as robust positive effects with these type of medications as we do with other forms as with OCD. And so that's also why some of the experts are saying maybe this is not the same disease. You know, the example of the um, the infection, if you have a bronchitis, um, which is an upper airway infection, and you have a pneumonia, which is a lower airway infection, we can still treat it the same, and you'll get better with it, just a matter of how much and how long. You know, lower lower infection, 10 days, upper infection, 5 days, you know, that type of thing. But we're seeing a, we're not seeing good results with the medications. Uh, let's go to the phones and see if we can work in one final call before we leave for today. This one comes from Choctaw County. Farah is on the line. Go ahead for us. Hi, are you with Hello. us? Hello. Go ahead. Hey. Uh, I was just saying that I have been uh, maybe not accused of hoarding, but piling, and uh, there's so much junk in here you can't walk and that kind of thing. But I live in a two-story home. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm 67, and I'm disabled and legally blind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what has happened to me, I don't really like uh, a lot of the clutter that is here, mm-hmm. but uh, I have five children. Of course, I have grandchildren. You receive gifts from your grandchildren. Well, you don't want to put them in the trash can. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're precious to me. Mm-hmm. Uh and so, and then I collect a lot of things. I collect uh, oriental uh, pieces. I collect uh, tobacco pipes, and mm-hmm. I collect dishes. Mm-hmm. But uh, what has happened, I don't have proper storage on the lower level of my home, and I'm unable to get up and down the stairs all the time. Mm-hmm. But none of these people that accuse me of having so much junk you can't walk can see a need. I don't have a linen closet downstairs. I don't have a closet downstairs to keep my vacuum cleaner in. Uh, They can't see that there's a need for more storage to take care of some of the necessities, and therefore everything's cluttered. Another thing, I'm unable to clean my house, and I've been on a waiting list for this stay-at-home uh, cleaning oh, yeah. service mm-hmm. since uh, I turned six, uh, 60. Oh, wow. So I've been on it seven years, and I don't have full-time help yet. They come every once in a while. Yeah. Well, yes. uh, you can't get much. We get started organizing something, but you can't get finished, and then they don't come back for three weeks. And then I'm behind on everything else. So I really don't have, I don't think, a hoarding problem. It's just as you get older, you collect I've collected oriental things since I was 
old enough to start collecting anything. All right, uh, Farrah, let's see, uh, Dr. May- or, uh, Dr. Gordon, what uh, what kind of help could you give Farrah in this situation? Maybe just go to her relatives and kind of let them know what the situation is and ask for some help in getting organized? Oh, I think, you know, Farrah mentioned that she had, I think, five children and some grandchildren there. You know, if, if she has a usable upstairs... You know, it, it's a question that had come up earlier is, uh, you know, what's the difference between collecting and hoarding? Mm-hmm. You know, she's describing, you know, things which are important to her and sentimental values. Uh, and so the things that she is keeping does um, does sound like to, to have significant value sentimental uh, and or uh, monetarily wise. But it sounds like, you know, she also needs some uh, family help about getting that stuff upstairs and put away. But the other part, too, Farah, is whether you like it or not, at some point, you have to live within the space that you have. You know, it really, it, it does come to that. Um, and that means, you know, if you still like collecting, then perhaps trading um, something new for something that you've kept for a while. You know, in the things that, uh, such as things that went on the refrigerator 20 years ago, um, might be better organized and so they'll be taking up le- less space. But perhaps having your family come to help out too. You're on that waiting list and, and I've heard a little bit about a program similar to that. The only problem is there's, there is an awful long waiting list before people are going to be able to come help you out. And with the downturn and the economy and less spending being put out, here's where your family could probably help out and, and help you get that stuff organized and moved upstairs. Because it does, it sounds like she is a collector uh, as opposed to a hoarder, the things that she has described, um, unless there's other things that's going on as well. But a good example of, you know, what's the difference between collecting and hoarding? You know, I've, I think I've mentioned before I like baseball cards and comic books. Uh, <laughs> my wife would probably say I'm a hoarder, but, you know, I could let them go at any time if, if, it, if I needed to as well. All right, that'll wrap things up for today. Relatively Speaking is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funded by the generous contributions from listeners like you. The producer of Relatively Speaking is Ezra Ball. For Dr. Greg Gordon, I'm Kevin Farrell, asking that you join us for Money Talks tomorrow morning at 9. Then I hope you'll be with us next Monday at 9 for another Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio, all things Mississippi. an mpb think radio Radio podcast mpbonline.org mpb Mpb. think radio